And hello, and welcome everyone to the Retro Hero Video Podcast. Yes, that's right, everyone. Matt and myself, the people who brought you the comic multiverse, are bringing you a brand new podcast experience. I pitched this to Matt a while ago that we should try and shake stuff up at the end of the month, and honestly, I've wanted to try and do a new podcast show for a while, and this this idea has kind of been ruminating in my head to do like a, like a video book club where instead of comics, we talk about superhero animation, which if you know me and know Matt, you know that's one of our greatest passions. Yeah, and there's quite a bit of it out there as well. There really, really is. Uh, Of course, I'm a big fan of uh, OSW, and I'm like, man, you know, the stuff they do for old school wrestling is so cool. If only someone could do that for old superhero cartoons. So I naturally elected myself to be that guy to completely (laughs) rip off a popular format for all of you to enjoy. And of course, you know, when it comes to naming a new podcast, I had to look and make sure I'm like, is there a retro hero podcast? Uh, Yes, there is, but they haven't done anything in months and it's only uh, audio, not video. So it's fine that I'm taking most of the title. (laughs) (laughs) You see, much like Kiss Matt, it doesn't matter who did it first. It only matters who got popular doing it first exactly exactly so there you go uh now obviously when it came to deciding well what what's our pilot episode gonna be matt what's the inaugural episode and i thought well it's got to be batman the animated series of course of course of course I mean, it's a show that we are still kind of feeling, you know, the seismic influences from all these years later. And I think they just released it again on Blu-ray not long ago, and it's all up on the app, too, right now. Yeah, uh, Blu-ray is actually how I saw this episode. I, I have the Blu-ray set, and nice. it gave me it gave me a reason to go back and actually try and watch some of it. Because I didn't realize as well how many episodes there are in that first season. Oh, yeah. It's like 70 episodes. Oh, yeah. It's a big, long season because, if I may put my old man hat on for a second, seasons were longer for animation back in the day. (laughs) They really were. Now it's like when Netflix drops a new show. It's like, well, here's six episodes, and then we'll give you four more later, we guess. When it's done, we don't know. Yeah, we don't know. (laughs) We're going to break it into parts, and you've Uh. got a part every year or something. Batman the Animated Series was crazy, too, because it had an era where it aired on Fox, and then Warner Brothers took it back, and it aired yep. on there for the rest of the time. Like, I, I had a real Bernstein Bears moment when that hit me, and I was watching old, like, TV commercials. I'm like, wait, why was the Batman show on Fox? Batman is Warner Brothers and has always been Warner Brothers, right? No, actually. Not only that, the later seasons became, like, the new adventures of yeah. Batman. Yes. So, with, like, like again, people remember it being called that and not just Batman the Animated Series. Yes, you know what episodes you were in when that happened because they changed the opening credits and they weren't mm-hmm. as good. And the bat suit and all the designs were a little bit different. They were a little different. People people say they were a lot more timified. Everyone started looking more mm-hmm. triangular. Yep, yep. Which I don't hate that. I'm cool then. To think that, you know, they would change that Batman art so much because then they would change him again when they did Justice League and beyond to have him match the art style of everyone else. Yep, yep. Which gets even crazier because the first season of Batman was a weird neo-50s world set to kind of mirror the, uh, what is it, the Tim Burton movies that had happened at the time. And then slowly Gotham just changes and isn't that anymore. Yeah, it was really funny, like, watching this again, because I I remember, like, watching a lot of the later season Mm -hmm. episodes back when it was starting to go into, like, the Justice League and all that sort of stuff. Yeah, yeah. And I remember the Art Deco style being in this and in the Superman animated series, but I never remembered it being it so, like, 
1940s-ish. Oh, yeah. So especially here with like stuff like cafeterias oh, and all yeah. that sort of stuff. Oh, they really went for it. Uh, old-timey yeah. cars, Tommy yeah. guns. All the televisions were black and white, although they mm-hmm. would actually screw up a couple times and have it be color. But, oh, yeah, it's a season one is a trip, and I'm sure people are wondering, well, what episode are you covering for season one? Well, because this is a pilot episode and because we're still working out the kinks and because I am actually running the back end of this, I'm giving Matt a break at the end of every month. <laughs> uh, I decided we're going to look at a really weird episode. We're going to look at the episode See No Evil from season one. I do believe it's episode 17 of season one. And I'm sure people are already, like, smacking their heads and being like, really, Joel, for your first episode, you could have done a Heart of Ice or the Demon's Quest or any of the Harley episodes. Really, you just, you picked the fucking episode where Batman fights the Invisible Man? Yes, I did. Yeah, so, it was, it, again, all those are, like, like obvious choices. Classics. So you go with the unobvious choice. Exactly. As I am going to try and show you, this episode is fucking weird. This is a really really weird fucking episode, and it almost doesn't even gel with the rest of the show. Uh, But yeah, I mean, I'm kind of getting ahead of myself. Uh, So yeah, this was episode 17 of season one, uh, See No Evil. The title is obviously a reference to the uh, famous adage, See No Evil, Hear No Evil, Speak No Evil. Mm-hmm. And uh, as with all famous Batman stuff, this one actually opens with a title card. And how how fucking cool is this title card, Matt? It is. It, it's very simple and gets across the point that you're going to be fighting an invisible man. Yeah, it's, it's not the best title card they ha- would have, but I love that every episode had them. They kind of drop it when they got into, like, the new adventures of Batman, the animated series. They'd kind of go away and they would just have regular titles at the bottom of the screen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it kind of it kind of um, goes back to like the whole like like serials Very. of the forties and fifties and everything that these that a lot of these episodes are actually based on. Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, the other weird thing about this episode that you notice right away is that we don't begin in Gotham City proper. We begin in suburbia in a house that isn't haunted but sure as shit looks like it could be <laughs> it's very run down it's it's it looks like like a place where someone would go to smoke crack yeah it looks like a den of some variety a trap house if you will <laughs> it's it's nice to know in gotham city that the whole place is shitty it doesn't matter if you're living in the city or living in the suburbs everything is hot garbage in gotham yeah yeah it's a hell of a thing so we're introduced to, I, I was going to say main character, but that's not true. Batman is the main character of Batman, the animated series. Let's let's call her the character that this whole episode spins. And uh, she's a little girl, and her name is Kimberly, or Kimmy for short. You can tell we're in the 90s, Matt, because Kimberly's were fucking everywhere. A very popular name. Yes. Very popular name back then. Uh, uh, obviously, of course, you know, Batman, the animated series, no stranger to shaking stuff up, telling stories about kids and having kid actors. Uh, what uh, what did you think about the actress who uh, who did the voice in this one? Uh, she's pretty good, and I actually know who this actress is. Oh, let, tell us, Matt. Tell us all about it. The, this this actress uh, is the superstar actress uh, Elizabeth Moss. Who Holy shit! People might remember starred in the invisible man last yes. year yeah again yet another story where she was bedeviled by a creepy ass invisible man what the fuck are the odds of that i read that <laughs> fact and it blew my goddamn mind and it's yet another reason why i thought we should cover this 
it's it's very strange. I wonder if she I wonder if she even remembers doing this uh, uh, voice act acting work at, while like doing that movie. You gotta wonder, right? Of course, Moss. You'll also know from like The Handmaid's Tale. I think she was in a uh, Mad Men and a bunch of other stuff. So she gets around. She's in a lot of stuff. Yep. Is she on Twitter? Maybe she'll see this. Hello. <laughs> So, yes, we see Kimberly late at night where a strange individual enters through her window. And, oh, oh, man, I forgot how creepy this one actually was. A lot of these episodes were creepy. Yeah, this one especially really leaned into the gothic horror. And I mean, the implication here, you don't you, you, like you don't need to be a psychiatrist to know the implications here are fucked up. An invisible man is entering a little girl's bedroom in the dead of night. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. He's also plying her with presents and jewelry to try and earn her trust. And then and then kind of like mind fucking her because yeah. he uses like her little doll and makes it makes it seem like the doll is alive. Yeah, I'm your imaginary friend. You don't need to worry about me. You know, I'm yeah. I'm your friend. I'm Jojo, which is, you know, total like imaginary friend ass name right there. <laughs> he also gives her a diamond necklace and says, now I know what you really wanted was a pearl necklace. And I'm like, oh, <laughs> I, I hope that I hope that wasn't intentional. <laughs> I really I really do. Now, again, very, very creepy insinuations here. It will get less creepy later, but then way creepier when you stop and think about it for a second when, you know, we really, really dig into it. So, yeah, uh, Kimmy lives with her mother and, you know, she reveals to Jojo this weird invisible man that, uh, oh, they'll be moving soon, which means he might not be able to find her again, which, you know, really uh, throws this guy into a tizzy there. He gets uh, quite upset over this. He does. Yeah, he gets violently mad. Very. Uh, we meet the mother who we discover later. Her name is Helen and Helen thinks nothing of her child just talking to no one in the dead of night because, ah, you know, she's just a kid. You know, she's got an imaginary friend. Surely it's nothing I have to worry about as a 90s parent. I, again, again, a 90s parent in Gotham, they yeah. don't have to worry about it. They, they got a lot of stuff going on, you know? I, I don't blame <laughs> her. Single parent, They're Gotham. living in a crack house. They're living know? in a crack house in a bad neighbor. But but, but but they're moving soon, you know? She's doing a good job, Helen. She, she's do, she's working her hardest, you know? <laughs> she's moving to the nicer crack house. The nicer crack house across the street. Now, I, I guess in many ways you could call See No Evil, like, a very special episode or a PSA episode because it does deal with the subject of like kidnapping and luring and everything but they never sold the episode as that which i thought was very yeah. interesting they never had like oh, a very special episode of batman the animated series batman had a lot of special episodes but they were never sold as special episodes no they were they just it was part of the plot and yeah you and they, they made it so that you could easily understand that like oh that's wrong doing yeah. drugs is bad you exactly know, that sort of stuff yeah they do this one here they'll do a drug episode and a homeless episode later mm -hmm. on and i think we should have to we should cover that because again as i mentioned before i'm ripping off osw review and they do arcs we should do the psa arc for a lot of these <laughs> For a lot of these different DC shows and see uh, how they handle it. Uh, now, we get introduced to the Invisible Man, or Unvisible Man, in this uh, case. And his name is Lloyd Ventris, or Ventrix. The credits spell it one way, and everyone in the show pronounces it another way. Yeah, I think it was Ventrix. Ventrix, which, you know, obviously, if you know me, Matt, I'm a sucker for, like, names and the history of them and what they mean and everything. I researched that name really hard. Doesn't mean anything. Doesn't come from anywhere. 
just a made-up bad guy and name. Bruce, Tim, and Paul Dini knew someone would do that and be like, ha we made someone waste their afternoon. <laughs> like 20, 30 years later, joke's on you, Jagoff. <laughs> the name doesn't mean anything. Uh, yeah, so we see him out and about getting ready to commit invisible crimes, and, you know, this guy, uh, it, th- I, I forgot how much, like, this first season had jokes, too, because he goes to change into his invisible costume, which is, like, creepy-ass cellophane. It basically looks like he's wearing a condom. Yeah, yeah, he, he reminds me of, um, in the Watch- in the new Watchmen TV oh, series, yeah. there's, that, there's that one cop who's got, like, that mask that's, like, it's like a mirror, but it's like uh, it's like yeah. vacuum sealed, like star, like tin foil onto his <laughs> face. It reminded me of that. Yeah, he's he's a bin bag man, you know. He's just uh, wearing yeah. a big trash bag. <laughs> <laughs> he's the trash man. He's the trash man. Batman's greatest foe. Uh, this guy, you know, even though he seems to be doing quite well with you know robbing people, being an invisible man. He also might have the worst luck in the world because he's robbing a jewelry store that just so happens to have Bruce Wayne in it looking to buy a watch. Yeah, yeah. What are the chances? What are the chances? What I'm especially surprised by this is that we see Batman doing regular rich guy stuff. Like he actually has a day life, not just a night life. I found that very fascinating. Yeah, it, it was quite interesting. It was also interesting just like when we get like the establishing shot of this place. I liked that every character we saw uh, like looked shady. Yes, absolutely. Everyone. Like they, they look like, like like really shady businessmen mm-hmm. and everything. And then there's just Bruce Wayne. Only, only in Gotham. I mean, you know, this Bruce Wayne is a lot more well adjusted than other versions of Batman. So I like the yeah. idea that he does like regular people stuff and wouldn't just like send Alfred to go buy him a new watch when he needed one. <laughs> and it's also interested to interesting to know that like I could see this season of Bruce doing that, but I couldn't see like say Justice League's Bruce yeah. Wayne doing that. It's true. This this is what I believe we call early installment weirdness in TV trope land is what we call this. Mm-hmm. Where characters do stuff in first seasons that you'll never see them do again. Let, uh, let, let us also talk about the oh-so-classic Bruce Wayne pedestrian costume, a brown suit with mustard shirt and black tie. What a what a weird like choice in outfit, yeah. Is is there is there like any like reason why that was like chosen as his suit? I don't think so. I really don't. I've never heard Paul Dini or Bruce Tim mention it, or if they do, they mentioned it like comedically like why did we choose that? Yeah, cuz I was going to say like you you kind of like when you when you think of like Bruce Wayne, you think he's going to be in like a dark suit like yeah. a a navy blue shirt and yeah, black yeah. tie and sort of thing. I mean, and obviously, because, you know, he's not Superman. Superman, obviously, blue suit, red. T- we know the deal, right? Because it's mirroring his costume colors. Maybe the yellow shirt and the black tie is also kind of mirroring the bat in a weird way. But why brown? <laughs> yeah, I, I I have no idea. But I tell you what, he make, it makes him look like Dwight Schrute from The Office. <laughs> of a little bit he, he dresses exactly the same oh my god so yeah ba- batman just happens to be here when a crime breaks out and i love the idea that if batman wasn't here he never would have known about the invisible man or no, any of this other stuff not at all uh invisible man kind of makes a mockery of everyone in the place he steals all the jewelry he steals the security guy's guns and is able to escape through the under construction sign and oh yeah construction is spelt wrong yeah 
<laughs> yeah, I didn't actually even notice that. Animation <laughs> error. Yeah, it's spelt wrong. Oops. <laughs> I also like that Bat- uh, Batman kind of has his like 1940s like Superman flasher moment where he yes, disappears he does. into like the, the the like bathroom and then he just like bursts out through the door in the Batman costume. The, the same bathroom that Ventrix put his Invisible Man suit on. Yeah. I, I forgot that the first season had jokes that you could almost even call Adam Westian where there's a bit where there's like a guard there at the jewelry store who keeps needing to use the bathroom bathroom but he can't because people keep changing yeah. into costumes yeah. people keep barging past him yeah absolutely there's even a bit later where you know he chases invisible man to the construction site it's like i know you're there and there's just one lone construction guy eating a sandwich being like is, is he yelling yeah. at me yeah I, I like that as well it's like dead of night and the guy's like on his break he's yeah. probably on like like a 40 hour shift or something well i mean yeah. i don't know what he's doing surely there's like some ohs uh guidelines about working a construction site during the dead of night ah this is gotham osha has no power here <laughs> That's true. That's true. What is specifically funny about this, too, is, you know, we actually get to see Batman really work as a detective here. You know, he he's usually the one all about making himself invisible and being stealthy. And when he's fighting an invisible foe, he knows, oh, hey, I can see his footprints in the wet cement. If I throw some smoke, I can see his reflection. I'm like, oh, what a cool way to remind us that Batman is smart. Yeah, and then he throws some paint over the guy. Yeah, and yeah. I also like that the uh, the suit, like, we get kind of, like, it's not, it doesn't just make him invisible, but, like, stuff he touches goes invisible yeah. as well, like his briefcase, and it's got, like, some, like, heat function that, like, melts the paint off of him as yeah. well. Yeah, he never uses the heat thing again, but you're right, the fact that he just doesn't make himself invisible, he makes other stuff disappear too, and hey, that'll be important later, that's called signposting, that's called Chekhov's <laughs> gun in writing. <laughs> It's very important, uh, don't you know? Now, while Batman is definitely smart in this show, he kind of gets his ass kicked by the Invisible Man in their fight. Yeah, I actually kind of like this season one uh, Batman who's like, he's kind, he can even be beaten by just like a, a thug, a jewelry-stealing thug. A regular, uh, yeah. And kind of, kind of made an ass of. I mean... Because uh, he gets like falls in the cement and oh everything. yeah oh yeah he gets his bell rung there which i guess makes sense too because like you can be the best kung fu ninja scientist millionaire you want but if an invisible man punches you in the side of the head and you don't know <laughs> where it's from yeah it, it's it that's good and they also um set it up so that like he can't tell where the guy's mm. coming from because it's because of the, like the echo high ceilings yeah which is, which is really quite cool. It's it's smart. They thought about it, too. But then again, I guess, you know, this also speaks to something very true in Gotham City as well, and that is you can be a Penny Annie thug. You're only a set of powers and a gimmick away from being a Batman villain. <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. So, yeah, Batman gets, you know, kind of schooled in this fight and, like, literally gets left on his back. If this was a wrestling match, that would have been the one, two, three, and he's done. <laughs> But you see, he's got to lose that first match so he can build back up to it later. Yeah, yeah, he's got to have that arc. Yeah, yeah. we uh, we see Ventrix back at his flop house there, where he's counting his goods and you know creepily obsessing over the picture of Kimmy, who we discover is actually his estranged daughter. It's okay, everyone. It's his estranged daughter. It's not like he climbed into the window of some strange little girl. He knows her. Oh no, wait, that makes it creepy too. That he's yeah, lying. That makes it even worse. <laughs> that he's lying to his daughter and gaslighting her and pretending to be her invisible imaginary friend no that actually makes it worse yeah 
the idea is, is that, you know, he went to jail for committing some armed robberies and the mother got a restraining order against him. And now that he knows that they're moving, he's going to, you know, do whatever he can to make sure that doesn't happen, which means that this episode, See No Evil, is not just an episode about kidnapping and, you know, child endangerment and child luring and everything. It's also an episode about parental kidnapping, which I do believe statistically, if a child is to be kidnapped, nine times out of ten, it's going to be by someone they know. Yeah, it's usually like a, a parent or a, a guardian or something. Yeah, a friend or neighbor or something. So in a weird way, this episode from 1993 was actually ahead of the times in many regards. <laughs> Which is yet another reason why Batman the Animated Series is great in these small, subtle, different little ways there. Yeah. Uh, again, just to even further, you know, really milk the creep factor, too, we see uh, Ventrix there is following around Kimmy and her mother during the day. And, oh, he's in the car with his hat down and everything. <laughs> yeah, he's like he's following him to the school and then, yeah. like, follows his uh, ex-wife to, like, her job. And uh, when she goes out for lunch, she try, he tries to, like, buy his way back. Mm. Mm -hmm. in and everything yeah he's like oh you know it it made sense that you put that restraining order on me and divorced me when i'm a bum but now i'm making invisible man money and oh oh he does that real <laughs> dirtbag thing where he grabs her by the wrist and everything that real 1940s now howling you're being yeah. hysterical <laughs> yeah yeah you're being hysterical which is the worst thing a woman can be in this timeline <laughs> <laughs> Uh, now, the guy who voices Ventrix in this episode, that's Michael Gross, so, you know, a hardworking character actor. Interestingly enough, though, this would not be his last uh, DC Animated Universe gig. He would actually voice uh, Terry McGinnis's dad, Warren McGinnis, in the first couple episodes of Batman Beyond. Yeah. Which, which is interesting, too, because he's an invisible man, and what can Terry in Batman Beyond do? Go invisible? Oh. Invisible, Yeah. Again, we never see the Invisible Man again or get reference to him, but I like to imagine that in the future, Bruce actually mastered this tech and was able to put it in the Batsuit. Yeah, I, I could see that as well. In I the see that. In the back of his mind, he remembers getting his ass kicked by the Invisible Man. He's like, never again. Yeah, never. yeah I won't be invisible as well. Yeah, I want to fucking be invisible. I'm vengeance in the night, but what if no one could see me? <laughs> Uh, of course, you know, Helen's big blow up at Lloyd ends with, you know, I just want you to disappear. I want you out of our lives. And I'm like, oh, yeah, that's that's total villainous origin right there. Oh, you want me to disappear? Do you all disappear? Disappear real good. <laughs> Another thing about this Lloyd guy that gets me. And uh, I'm sure you've noticed that this is a recurring thing in, like, a lot of DC animated shows of this era. He's got these weird kind of, like, pockmarks on his face. Like, maybe he had smallpox as a child. Yeah, that, that's, like, a thing to, like, uh, like signpost that he's, he's like, Evil. a bad guy. He's got That's, like, his, like, facial scarring yeah, he sort did, of thing. He doesn't take care of his face, which means he's bad. This, this recurs a lot in Bruce Timm animation. Like, I think Two-Face has a couple red-headed henchmen later who have more or less the same haircut and the same pockmarks. Mm -hmm. So, I don't know. The animators are telling us something. If you, if you have bad skin in Gotham, you're evil. Yeah. Well, hell, fucking Jimmy Olsen even had that in the animated that's series. That's true, he did. Animated series. Means you're untrustworthy is what we're saying. <laughs> now, what's funny about this episode, too, is that the cast is ultimately really small. We got Helen and Kimberly. We got the Invisible Man. 
Batman, no Alfred, no Robins, but we do actually get to see Lucius and some of the other guys who work at Wayne Industries because Bruce again figures, hey, is this mad science run amok in Gotham? I bet the Wayne Enterprises built it. <laughs> I bet my company did something to do this. I bet we're involved somehow. Why? Because we're always fucking involved. <laughs> The, the one thing I really like about this, uh, this I I can't remember ever seeing it beforehand, but like the, the Wayne Industries uh, logo. Yes. Uh, that's actually exactly the same as the 1970s uh, Warner Brothers logo. Oh, that's right. It, it is. It, the, that, that logo was like round balls, but it's that's like right. exactly the same sort of uh, like uh outline basically oh, good good eye matt now now i might be wrong but i don't think the wayne enterprises logo ever looked like that ever again i think this is more early yeah. installment weirdness yeah I, again i can't remember ever looking like that of course batman the animated series was loaded with references to other uh warner brothers properties and everything you know guards would always be reading tiny tunes adventures and everything they would love putting that shit in there whenever they could yeah, absolutely. Uh, so, as we discovered from Wayne Enterprises, yeah, we did employ the scientist that made the invisible stuff, but don't worry, we fired him, and then he died. <laughs> well, I think I think the idea was that like they were courting uh, this this one guy who had like some plastic that can go invisible, right. and before they could take the meeting, the guy like withdrew his offer, and then mysteriously died mysteriously died yeah they, they they seek to imply that it was of like natural causes but i don't believe that <laughs> no no again ventrix or someone probably murdered or him. someone it's interesting because you know when batman goes after this he ends up not going after the original doctor but the doctor's assistant who apparently continued the experiments and while he does try and kill batman by like dropping a bunch of boxes on him we eventually find out that he's not that bad a dude because he's actually no. trying to dispose of the invisibility plastic because shocker of shockers uh turns out this stuff is actually poisonous and will rot your brain yeah again like the original uh invisible man invisible man sort of stuff like the uh, the chemical that he took to go invisible it like fucked with your brain and yeah and made you get made you uh go insane and same with like like the most recent invisible man going invisible like kind of fucks with you it fucks with your brain and again as we've seen Ventrix was a like you know friggin low life already so add this stuff to him and a power complex and it's just an absolute cocktail for you know danger and madness yeah we didn't mention as well that Ventrix was apparently like the the assistant yeah yeah sort of lackey like like coffee boy because he was like an ex-con I have to imagine it was like some sort of work release program you'd think or like are these scientists just really progressive like hey you seem like a good guy with your pockmarked face come work for us with our dangerous <laughs> invisibility tech I'm sure nothing will go wrong <laughs> really really accepting these guys now in the show uh, we discover that you know uh, the plastic works because you know they put electricity through it and it doesn't reflect light the same way so it's kind of like camouflage tech more than straight up invisibility what is really interesting is that in my research i discovered uh in the original draft of this script it wasn't that it was poisonous it was actually that it was explosive oh okay <laughs> yes there was apparently a completely different finale for this episode plan where ventrix would kidnap his daughter throw her in the car and batman would have to save her from getting exploded <laughs> oh, Jesus. Yeah, the censors stepped in. They're like, whoa, 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 you could not actually endanger the life of a child in a cartoon <laughs> like that. All the other implied creepiness and kidnapping is fine, but you can't blow up children. <laughs> <laughs> 
which is so funny because it's like, yeah, that was totally 90 standards and practices, but I'm pretty sure you can threaten to blow up as many children as you want on TV now. Oh, yeah, absolutely. In fact, it's, you know, it's expected to blow up children. <laughs> There's quotas to meet. There's yeah. quotas to meet. Now, Batman goes to visit the mother in suburbia. And man, again, I, I think this was an interview with Deanie where it's like, yeah, having Batman in suburbia just looks weird, whether it's night or day, because he just does not belong. <laughs> it's like, yeah, it's, it's like Spider-Man. Uh, Very he's much. He's got to have those like big buildings to like, uh, like brood on the side of and like swing from with these like uh, grapple hooks and everything like that. I, I can just imagine Batman because he's got nothing to like swing around, just yeah. running through like backyards. Yeah, really. Because without those things, without like the city and the majesty of Gotham City, Batman just looks like a weirdo in a Halloween costume. <laughs> yeah. Well, then he fits the neighborhood quite well. True enough. It's all crackheads and whatnot. Yeah. Yeah. Batman goes to see the mother and like really scares the shit out of her. You know, just just no tact at all. It's like, I think your daughter, I think someone's going to try and kidnap her. I like how he just appears behind her. He's like, yeah, your daughter's in trouble. We're just going to get kidnapped. Yeah, uh, an invisible man did it. I'm not crazy. I'm Batman. <laughs> and of course, because there wouldn't be a story otherwise, they come in way too late because Kimmy has already been taken. And, you know, they're all horrified and everything. And we actually see like a recreation of the title card from the episode where the windows open and the blinds are blowing and the doll is on the ground. Oh, no. Yeah, someone's taken her. Someone has taken her, but don't worry, Batman has a plan for this. He has a gun. <laughs> yeah, he's gonna fucking shoot him. He's gonna shoot him. Don't worry, it's a Trank gun, but even still, it looks very weird to see Batman with a gun <laughs> in his hand. <laughs> don't worry, Miss Helen, I got a plan for this. It's nine rounds of hot lead. <laughs> wow, this really was a weird first season when Batman wasn't afraid to cap people. Remember that, everybody? <laughs> No, no, he's what's great about this is that Batman doesn't go back to like the Batcave or even the Batmobile to get any no, of this. No, that, yeah, there's no um uh like part in the in the second act where like he returns to the uh to investigate the computer to and like types in all the stuff to like find out who Ventrix is and whatnot. Yeah, like he always does. Yeah, this yeah. this episode breaks a lot of rules in that regard where it's like, no, Batman prepared off screen. <laughs> Don't worry. Also, too, this poor lady, her daughter has been kidnapped, her abusive husband has superpowers, and Batman just abandons her. He pulls a total Gordon yeah. on her. Yeah, he just disappears, just, like, doesn't tell her to, like, call the cops or anything, yeah, call but... Gordon or anything, just, like, disappears. Now, I get it, he has to rush and hurry and everything if he's gonna make it in time, but still, boy, does he not take this lady's feelings into <laughs> account. <laughs> And, uh, hey, you know, because it's Gotham, you know, it's not just, like, creepy abandoned warehouses and run-down uh, regular houses. We also have an abandoned drive-in movie theater. Yeah, the, no, no amusement mile or abandoned mm. circuses. We're, we're doing the, the abandoned drive-in, which is kind of a cool setting. It very much is. Again, we don't see that in anything else. It makes sense that it would be closer to suburbia, because, again, this whole finale mostly takes place in suburbia, which is crazy. Yeah. And it also, it gives something Batman for Batman to, like, swing off of. Also that, which you absolutely need to have. It's funny, too. I love, even in the year 1993, they're like, nah, the drive-in theater industry is dying. It'll never return. <laughs> Not unless there's some sort of deadly pandemic, but when will that ever happen? <laughs> Yeah, that'll never happen in our lifetime. <laughs> that'll never happen. So we enter the third act here and the big reveal of Jojo, the imaginary friend, saying, okay, time to get into my creepy parked car now. 
I, I I fucking love how like uh, he he reveals himself to his daughter, mm-hmm. uh, but like he doesn't take the costume off. He just takes no. the, uh, the mask off. So it's like this disembodied Bodied head, head floating around like the child and like oh, leering yeah. at her and everything. Oh yeah. To to Kimmy's credit though, she ultimately proves to be a very smart kid in this like PSA episode. Because up until now, when she thought he was an imaginary friend, yeah, cool, yeah, I'll go with you. Yeah, I'll take gifts and everything. Mm, nah, I can't get into your creepy parked car though. We all all know that's rule number one never get in the car <laughs> which means she which means he would have had to have carried her all the way to that yes. uh that drive-in like she's just like floating through this through like the streets I, I i think she was walking a little by the end there he doesn't have super strength or anything and he's a deadbeat <laughs> dad so he ain't carrying you everywhere <laughs> I, I like that too once it's ultimately revealed like i'm your father kimmy it's like oh well you're a bad man you like went to jail and mom has a restraining order and i'm not supposed to be around you yeah. good on you kid for actually being smart and knowing some shit <laughs> it's a bit 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 too late bit L- too late bit too late but i appreciate the show respecting the intelligence of kids and not talking to dads. i'm like we know you're not stupid kids we know you'd, you'd pimp out of there at this point that's true, yeah. We, we know you'd pimp out. And indeed, she does run away, and we don't see her till the end of the episode because we can't have that whole child endangerment plot that was originally in the script. No, no, she walked home alone in the dark. in the Through the bad neighborhood. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, she's fine. She's from Gotham. I'm sure she's a little tough little broad. <laughs> now, again, as you mentioned, you know, having a fight at the uh, abandoned drive-in means Batman gets a cool entrance by the moon on top of the screen and everything. Yeah, he even has kind of like a quip. Very much so. Yeah, he's much quippier in these for in this mm. first season. Yeah, yeah, a, a lot more than what I uh, remember. Same. So I was like, wow, Batman's got jokes. Same. Yeah, I kind of memory hold a bunch of this episode, and it's funny too. You know, I remember like when this episode would air as a kid, I would always be kind of pissed because I'd be like, oh, he's not fighting the Joker or Two Faces. Bullshit. He's just fighting some invisible <laughs> man. Fight, fight a triple A rogue or I walk. Now though, watching this back again as an adult and seeing all these little eccentricities and all this other stuff that like hits way harder now is is kind of a treat and there's a lot of episodes that feel like that in Batman the animated series where it's like oh I hated this as a kid I understand it and like it better now yeah and, and again I th- I'm sure there's probably like dozens of episodes like that as well oh yeah absolutely across all these stories because again it, it was it was a cartoon that was made for kids but there was stuff there for adults as well. All ages appeal. So yeah, we head into our big action scene here for the finale and enraged Ventrix gets into his car and, you know, to this guy's credit, he's actually rigged it to turn invisible too. So he's got like an invisible car to take on Batman. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's, he's kind of smart. Yeah, for, 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 you know, for like some low rent thug and everything there, he has some ideas and even Batman's like, well, fuck, I don't know what to do about this. <laughs> This leads to a great bit where Batman manages to, you know, uh, jostle the car and jump on top. And, you know, the chase keeps going through the city and you got a couple winos there on the step. I didn't know he could fly, too. <laughs> I, I love the just just it was just such a funny visual of batman because you can't see the car so it's yeah. batman like sort of hunched over the top of this invisible car just flying through the streets just and, yeah, flying a bunch through of the streets being like what the fuck was that <laughs> there's a there's another story that tim and deanie tell where they like sent some of the show i think it was justice league off to korea to be animated and the script said you know and batman flies through the air but the animation studio got it wrong so he was like flying like how superman or wonder woman flies <laughs> 
And they're like, well, how the heck did they get that one wrong? And the Korean studio's like, well, culturally here, if you have a cape, you fly like Superman. So that's on you, not on us. Yeah, that's 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 quite interesting. Very interesting that they could make that mistake, and also this is as close as we get to Batman flying through the air. And uh, hey, if you are an animation nerd and you know you want like your big boner popping moment, it's when Batman's on the top of the car and they're crashing through all the stuff there, and the invisible plastic starts coming off the car, and you start to see yeah. more and more of it. Yeah, I thought that was a cool effect. Again, they did this traditionally with pencils and on black paper and everything, so there was probably many sleepless nights to try and make that happen. Yeah, make it look, like, halfway decent. Yeah, make that look halfway decent. In an episode that I'm sure is nobody's favorite and is never on any of the top tens, but you cannot say they half-assed it. No, not at all. They used their whole ass. (laughs) Uh, Of course, this leads to a big showdown there where it's like, oh, no, is the invisible car going to get hit by an oncoming train? Because this is Gotham and there always seems to be oncoming trains. (laughs) We don't know where these trains go. They're just always oncoming. Ah, the red line. (laughs) Gotham's red line running every 15 minutes. And it's here. We, we, We hit what I guess you could call the main event where Batman needs to get his win back from earlier in the episode. And honestly, he kind of keeps getting the shit knocked out of him by this invisible guy. I I, I kind of love it. I, I'm so used to like uh, you know Bat God. Yeah, you know, wins he's, everything. He's got, he's, he's got uh, prep for everything, and he's he's infallible. And I, I just love this Batman just getting thrown around a rooftop. Yeah, gets absolutely owned in this battle. And uh, my favorite part is when Invisible Man pulls out a board with a nail in it. <laughs> it's, it's even better as well because he's not fighting someone like Bane no. or Killer Croc. It's like just some some like schlubby guy who got like a bunch of magic saran wrap. Yeah, that he cannot see. Another interesting thing about this, too, is that when it comes time for Batman to get some batarangs involved in the fight, he doesn't throw batarangs. He throws regular-looking shurikens, and I'm sure that was an animation issue. Yeah, yeah, I imagine that was probably easier to do them than batarangs or something. And because it's three seconds of animation, they're like, eh, whatever. Uh, He causes one of the big water towers to start leaking, which in doing so makes it so he can see the Invisible Man, which again is very true of a lot of Invisible Man stories. That's how they beat him. Yeah, that's how, like, uh, some of the climax of the recent movie ended. Yep, gotta use the water. Again, to think something written in 1993 is just as true and just as, you know, sound storytelling all these years later. Yeah. And in a nice touch, too, when Batman finally does get the upper hand on this guy, he, like, one punches him. All it took was one punch to take him out. (laughs) Which kind of makes sense. The guy's like, he's like, again, it probably feeds into the whole invisible man sort of thing. He's, like, cowardly. Yeah. And the guy was kind of a coward, so, of course, it would take one punch to uh, knock him out. To finish him out. And Batman was really angry by that point, too. He's like, God, I I hope no one from the League is watching this right now. I'll never live this shit down. (laughs) Uh, so yeah, he unmasks him, takes him off to prison, and we never see the Invisible Man again, nor is he ever referenced. This is a one-off villain. Even even the ninja from Night of the Ninja, Day of the Samurai got two episodes. Just kind of fitting for the Invisible Man. He just, like, disappeared. Disappeared. Also, the guy who wrote this episode kind of disappeared, too. He wrote this, and he wrote Paging the Crime Doctor, and he's one of, like, the five people who wrote Mask of the Phantasm, but yeah. Okay. And, I, and I'd argue way more people like Paging the Crime Doctor more. And Paging the Crime Doctor, much like this episode, hated it when I was young because it had no supervillains in it. Really appreciate it now as like a gangland mob story. 
Yeah, yeah. There's like a lot going on in this episode. So yeah, we get the big happy ending there. Mother and daughter are reunited. They're ready to move, I think, the next day. And she's like, oh, who are you talking to now, honey? Oh, I'm just talking to Batman. So she traded talking to one weirdo in a costume out her window to another weirdo. And and the thing is as well, like, like the the mother is like here she's she's very like oh yes yeah Batman I yeah yeah whatever you say like yeah. she isn't like worried or anything yeah. that like 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 yeah it could be Batman but then it also could be some other fucking weirdo yeah yeah don't you think you should be extra vigilant now lady and the <laughs> and the best part is is that Batman really is up there on the roof and it's like dude you you, you could have stayed though you saved your kid yeah. she, she probably would have made you like coffee and cookies and shit yeah she's seen you before you don't need to be all mysterious and everything yeah I'm Batman I'm mysterious. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so that's the episode, everyone. That's uh, see no evil, and uh, yeah, what a what, what a weird episode. I don't know if it's anyone's favorite, but it's you know one of those episodes that has always stuck with me long after I watched it, which is why I thought that this should be you know the the first episode of uh, it, the Retro Hero Video Podcast. It it's an interesting episode because it's it is just sort of like a nondescript episode, Very. yet they kind of went like uh above and beyond with like the details and Absolutely. stuff like you said like the car and everything and like all the references to like the actual invisible man mm-hmm. stories and stuff with the chemicals that make you go crazy yep. and whatnot just all that sort of stuff which wasn't needed in just like a not non episode that no one really cares totally. about but they did it yeah i think it stands as like a testament to like even the episodes you don't remember from batman the animated series even the ones that weren't like instant classics were still pretty goddamn good 22 minutes of television <laughs> Yeah, yeah. They were still pretty solid. And again, too, I appreciated this one for being like, oh, you did a very special episode. You did a public service announcement without really doing a public service announcement. And in fact, as an adult, I appreciate it later because you tackled the very difficult subject of parental kidnapping, which I feel even shows today would have trouble tackling that. Yeah, absolutely. And this one did it so seamlessly. Yeah, it did it very well. Very not heavy-handed or anything mm-hmm. like that. Now, again, this uh, aired February 1993, and I thought it would be fun to end out the show. Uh, what else was going on on this day and time? It was a Wednesday, and so here's uh, here's some stories uh, from that time there. Uh, the number one movie in the country at the time was Groundhog Day. Okay. Pretty solid movie. Uh, the number one song in America, and I guess the world at that point, too, was I Will Always Love You by Whitney Houston. So you could have been rocking out to that and watching this episode when it was new. <laughs> so that's fun. Uh, what else was there going on? Ooh, in uh, Canadian news, uh, what is it? Uh Brian Mulrooney stepped down as leader of the Conservative Party in Canada because he's, uh, you know, his... his uh, uh, what is it? He, he was he was really in the dirt at that time there. His popularity couldn't have sunk lower. I know that sounds crazy now to think a politician actually stepped down because they were unpopular. <laughs> yeah, that never happens nowadays. Yeah, it was 93. It happens. Uh, even if you know nothing about Mulrooney or Canadian politics, you might know his son, Ben Mulrooney, because he like hosted our entertainment tonight here for a couple years. Okay. Yeah, he was like Canadian Ryan Seacrest. He got all the fucking hosting jobs and everything. <laughs> Which, honestly, hey, better than getting into politics. Good on you, man. You do you. <laughs> and, uh, oh, uh, what else was there going on? Uh, oh, uh, who, who's the guy who sings uh, Layla? Turns out he's a big racist. Uh, now he won a Grammy that year. Oh, uh, I can't remember. Uh, 
Yeah, uh, so there you go, uh, 1993 news, everyone. Hopefully if this becomes uh, a big show and people like this, this will be a segment that will end every episode, looking what else was going on <laughs> at the time when these shows were big and when they initially aired. <laughs> so thank you so much for watching and listening, everyone. Thank you so much, Matt, for being my co-host on this one and uh, also by uh, delivering and helping me out with the intro to this one. That is really cool. And uh, yeah, we'll hopefully be back again next month if this is popular. Again, I got some episodes in mind and some shows I want to cover, but if you have an idea about an arc or an episode you want to see us cover, tell us down in the comments section below and Matt and I will be sure to try and get to it. Definitely, definitely. Also, too, uh, I guess this video and all content on the channel throughout the month of December has actually been brought to you by our brand new friends at Escure Wallets. Uh, they make fun stealth wallets. The holiday season is coming up there. You got to find a gift for dad, a gift for your uncle and everyone there. Who doesn't want a wallet that can keep all your cards, all your money? And oh, look at this. It's uh, it's spring loaded. Spring loaded. Oh, spring loaded. Uh, excellent. Spring loaded with great deals and everything. Keep your pockets nice and clean and everything there. Don't don't be like me. Don't carry around a big fat piece of leather with a chain. You don't have to anymore. <laughs> times it, are changing. Times are changing. It's not 1993 anymore and you're not an invisible man. <laughs> People can see your ugly wall, but they can almost not see this. This is almost invisible tech. <laughs> and uh, if you use my link down in the description there, you will get a very, very generous percentage off your first order. And you'll be helping us out, too, because you'll be telling other companies, hey, we need the Retro Hero Video Podcast push. You know, we need that bump moving forward. And I mean, that only does good things for us. <laughs> it does. Yeah. So until then, everyone, we'll see you all next time. Bye bye. Bye.